Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Today we're going to talk about 2020 vision. Pretty easy to do, 2020, uh, having a vision. Um, I'm going to talk mainly out of Genesis chapter 37, but in prayer this morning, Greg brought this scripture back up in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 to 19. It's in the New Living Translation. I, I would highly encourage you to write this scripture down. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I've got, um, you know, some scriptures that I stand on. This is my little, little card that I read each and every day. Uh, and this is the top verse that's on there. And, and, and here's how it goes. It says, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And I'll tell you, you know, that'll preach. And, and here's the deal. When you're talking about vision, he says to forget what's behind you. You know, when you think about driving a car, you know, the windshield is, is five times bigger than your rearview mirror because when you're driving and you're looking ahead, you're not looking in the rearview mirror. You're just looking at that to check things. But so many times in our lives, we get so stuck in the past and, and looking at the past that we can't see what's, what's ahead of us. And, and he says to do that in there. Forget, forget everything that's happened. I'm about to do something new. And, and this is all about vision. Do you not see it? And I'll tell you, uh, Melissa and I were down at uh, Sioux Center a couple weeks ago. Um, we, our middle son is, is friends with their oldest boy. And so we were bringing him back after they had a, Maxwell had slept over at our house. And so we went down there and we were talking and we ended up kind of having a little prayer meeting down there. And that scripture came up in my spirit and, and I wrote down, I said, he said, do you not see it? And right underneath it, I said, no, I don't. I'm having a hard time seeing it. And until we see something in our heart and, and in our mind's eye, it's not gonna come to fruition you know, out in, in, in reality, right? So that's what we're gonna talk about here is 2020 vision. So what is a vision or, or, or a dream? You know, in Genesis chapter 37, which we're going to go through Joseph's story, uh, what's the difference between a dream and a vision before we get started here? Well, real simple. A dream is something you have when you're sleeping, and a vision is something you have when you're awake. Okay, that's pretty much the only difference. So we're going to use those words interchangeably, but both are talking about the future. You know, there can be some discrepancy with that, but, but let's just use those words interchangeably here, and again, realize that they're both about your future. The d definition out of the dic dictionary is, you know, vision is the faculty or state of being able to see. It's sight, seeing with your natural eyes. But the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. So many times we're just looking at what's around us and what's in the natural rather than, than seeing with our spiritual eyes and, and having vision for our future. It also says it's the ability to think or plan for the future with imagination or wisdom. Imagination is not a bad thing. So many times, like in, in Christian circles, we think like, you know, our imagination. You're not supposed to use, use your imagination. Your imagination comes from God. You know, everything that you see here in the natural was an idea at one time. Those seats that you're sitting in, it was somebody's idea at one time. It, it was made up in their imagination, in their mind's eye, and then they just went out and, and created that. Now, I remember, you know, using my imagination. I remember when I was in prison and, and uh, you know, Noah was maybe eight or nine months old. Uh, Melissa was basically a single mom. And the desire of my heart was not to be in prison. It was to be at home and, and to be with the, these two, right? And I remember um, sitting out on my, they called it your back porch. I, I was in a Florida State prison, and, and it used to be death row. Now it's in a different spot, but it was a minimum security camp. And, 
And so we have two-man two cells, and in the back of it, there was about a seven-foot-by-seven-foot seven porch, you called it, with, with bars on the top, so you could see out the top, but you couldn't see all around, out around it. And I would go out and sit out there, and, and I'd read my Bible, and I'd sit and talk to God. And I remember, um, you know, they, they told me that there's no way. I was, I was in Florida, like I said, 2,000 miles away from home, but I wanted to be closer to home to finish out my time so I could see Melissa on the weekends and so forth. And I remember praying, and I, and I asked the, you know, the counselor guy, and he's like, nope, there's no way we're not doing it for you. Um, you know, it costs money, all this stuff. But, you know, I got a hold of the word of faith. I got a hold of a lot of Kenneth Hagin's teaching, Kenneth Copeland, their teaching, you know, right where, where pastors are at right now, and learned how to use this word of God and activate it in my life. And I'd sit out there on my back porch, and I would imagine myself, kind of goofy, but I would imagine myself, you know, I'd been transported many times between here and Florida, and, and in shackles and handcuffs in the back of a bus or on a plane or wherever it was, was going to be at and imagine myself getting off up here at, uh, you know, South Dakota, the, the state penitentiary up here so that then I could see, you know, my wife. And again, they told me it wasn't going to happen until one day they called my name up, you know, Randy Hartz, pack your stuff. And sure enough, I was, you know, in the back of a van traveling up here. And, and so that all came from my imagination, you know, my dream of being up here by her, and then I took the word and I activated what I saw in my mind's eye, and I, I knew nothing was impossible with God. And so again, you can use that same imagination and, and uh, get a vision for your future. Last thing here is it's an experience or seeing something or someone in a dream or trance, such as a supernatural apparition. In the biblical terms, and I got this from Miles Monroe, where if you want to learn about vision. He's got an unbelievable book on anything Miles Monroe, I mean, consume it. But he says, vision is seeing the future before it comes into being. You know, just like that story I just said, I could see the future. I knew what I, I, I was desiring in my heart by spending time with the Lord and, and getting in the scriptures and, and, and what I wanted to do. But I could see the future be, before it came into being. I was expecting more of the world than what you see and, and taking bold steps of faith to get there. Now, it's not just taking and, and getting an imagination and writing it down and then doing nothing with it. I mean, you got to take action with it. You know, a lot of times they say, there's an old saying that says, you know, pray like God's going to do everything and then go and work like you're going to do everything. So it's, it's you and God working together, obviously, on the vision, but the vision comes from God. And I believe you've got to have a personal vision, you know, for your personal life, your health and fitness, seeing, you know, where, where you're going, a, a family vision, you know, we, we just took our, our three boys through our pyramid of success. Faith is a foundation, then family, then our personal health and fitness, and then finally finances on the top in that order, and it's a triangle, right? It's a, it's a pyramid because that's a good, solid foundation. And when the strong winds of adversity blow in your life, it's either going to stand or it's not. And I'll tell you, you know, prior to, to me coming to the Lord, I had that foundation, I had that thing flipped upside down. Money was on the, on the bottom of it, so when the winds of adversity blew in our lives, it, it toppled it right over. But again, you have a personal and a family vision. You have a career or a business vision. Where is it that you want to go you know, in, in your business life? And then there's a, there's a church vision. Faith Family Church has a vision. Dar Darnell on the uh, announcements talked about the mission of Faith Family Church was to strengthen families, but the, the vision of Faith Family Church, Pastor Mike and Pastor Vicki got this when they were down at Ramah, you know, years ago, what, 39, 40 years ago, it was to come to Sioux Falls, where they didn't know anybody, and build a supernatural church. And you want to talk about stepping out in faith. They didn't know anybody here. 
you know, they had whatever money they had. Um, you know, I think Angie and uh, Amy were born and, and uh, Andy wasn't yet. So they had to step out in faith and they had to go on the word of God, the vision that they got from God. And how many times along the way do you think that they wanted to quit on that vision, right? Where people maybe mocked them, made fun of them. I'm sure Angie could get up here and tell you story after story after story of people calling their house and, you know, heavy breathing in the phone, putting 666 on their, on their garage door, various things like that. All they're trying to do is come to Sioux Falls and build a supernatural church to help people get delivered from addictions, to help people get saved and, and healed and, and, and set free. But yet, you know, other people, and a lot of times Christian people, were coming against that vision that God had given them. So here we go, Genesis chapter 37. We're in the message translation. Um, we'll start with, with verse 1. We're, we're talking about the story of Joseph here. So meanwhile, Jacob had settled down where his father had lived. This was in the land of Canaan. So the land of Canaan, if you remember, it was a, the land flowing with milk and honey. You know, the Israelites had come out of Egypt. They were in the land of Canaan. Um, and I would imagine that everything was really good. Um, they were winning in life and, you know, all is well, right? Um, and this is the story of Jacob. The story continues with Joseph, his son. He's 17 years old at the time. So now think of a 17-year-old boy. Think of where Joseph's at at the time. I know when I was 17, I had every answer to everything, right? I was, I was arrogant. I was cocky. Um, you know, you couldn't tell me anything. And, and I, I would imagine that Joseph is in that, that same boat. Uh, he was out helping his brothers and herding the flocks. But these were actually his half-brothers. And Joseph brought his father bad reports on them. Strike one. Think about that. So the youngest boy, Joseph, goes out to check on his brothers who are out, you know, shepherding the flock. They're, they're sheep herders. And he comes back with a bad report to his dad. He's a tattletale, right? So he comes back and, and he says, Dad, hey, they're on Facebook. They're not working. There's sheep all over the place. You know, it's nuts. And, and so you can imagine what, what uh, you know, Jacob probably did and, and how he scolded the, the older brothers and the older brothers knew that. Ver, uh, verse 3 says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the child of his old age and he made him an elaborately embroidered coat. So strike two. So not only is, is, is Joseph tattling on his brothers, but he's also the favored child out of all the other, out of the, all the other siblings. So imagine that if, if you know, you're, you're bummed out because uh, your youngest brother, your, your dad likes him the best. When his brothers realized that their father loved him more than that, than them, they grew to hate him. That's the first time. They grew to hate him. They wouldn't even speak to him. But Joseph had a dream. So we're going to pause here. God will give you a vision for your future or a dream for your future if you let him. Say this. God has a vision for my life. He does. He has a vision for your life. He's got a unique plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God wants to give you hope and a future. He wants you to be excited about your future. He wants to give you a vision for your future. But, how, you know, the question is, is how does he reveal this, this, this vision or this dream for your future? Well, there's a few different ways. Like Joseph, he did it in a dream. He might do it for you in a vision. I know in, in my life, it's been a gradual process as I walk, walk with the Lord. You know, I've been walking with the Lord, what, going on since 2001, 19 years now roughly, and, and it's just continued to unfold, you know, as this has happened. Now, how many people wish that God would just share the whole vision of your life with you right now and just say, hey, you're going to marry this person, you're going to work at this job, and then you've got to meet that person so you can go over and, and have that job and, and just tell you how it's all going to work out, 
right now. Don't, don't we all wish? I know I do. But you want to know what? It'd probably scare you if God were to show you everything that's to come into your life right now. Scare you because he's got a lot more from you, for you than what you currently see you know, with your natural vision and, and, and your natural sight. But the key here is to stay in God's will. If you do that, you'll be moved toward God's plan in your life, and, and it's going to be a, a direction that you're naturally gifted and naturally passionate about. Just remember that. Something that you're naturally gifted and naturally passionate about. Now, you're going to have to develop those gifts and talents, but it's typically going to be something like that. I remember back, you know, when... when uh, so I, I spent eight and a half months in jail in Florida. When I got home, I remember sitting right over here. Melissa and I had moved to Omaha. We were starting our life over. My attorney's like, you're not going to have to go to prison or anything like that as long as you're paying them. You know, they kind of tell you what, what, what you want to hear. So I fought that case for about 11 and a half months. And, and so Melissa and I had come back on a, on a weekend service, and I was, I was sitting right over in this section over here. Again, this was around 2002. And after the service, I remember Pastor Vicki come up to me, and she said, uh, she said, oh, I didn't know you guys were going to be back today. She goes, while I was sharing the message, um, God spoke to my heart that one day you're going to speak in front of thousands of people. And I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. I, I remember thinking, like, like, this lady's crazy. Like, I can't get up in front of a room and say my name without about how, you know, wetting my pants. There's no way that that is going to come to pass. She just had a word for me, and, and she saw a vision, you know, for my future, and, and, and sure enough, I, because I couldn't see it, I couldn't see how it was going to happen in the natural, but I'll never forget that moment. That was a supernatural event because this is a supernatural church, and that happened here. She had a word from the Lord for me, and, and I took it in, and, and I've never forgotten it. And that vision has come to pass. You know, Melissa and I have spoken in front of, not that it makes a difference, but, but large audiences and, and, and various things like that, and I never at that point would have guessed that that, that would have been able to happen. Let's get on with, with the story. Verse 5. So Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. So this is double hate, right? First hate, now we're at double hate. He said, listen to the dream I had. We were all out in the field gathering bundles of wheat. All of a sudden, so say all of a sudden. That's how it can work for you. All of a sudden, my bundle stood straight up and your bundle circled around it and they bowed down to, me, to mine. So think about that. You know, 17-year-old Joseph, he's excited. And he's out saying, hey, you know what? One day you guys are going to bow down, you're going to be all around me, and you're going to worship me. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> well, let's hear what they said. So, you're going to rule us, huh? You're going to boss us around. And they hated him even more because of his dreams and the way he talked. So hatred times three. He had another dream, and he told him this one, this one also. He said, I dreamed another dream. The sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. When he told it to his fathers and brothers, his father reprimanded him. What's with all this dreaming? <clears throat> Am I and your mother and your brothers all supposed to bow down to you? So why did his father reprimand him? Well, you know, you think about it. His father, you know, had wisdom. He knew. He could see the set of circumstances and, and so forth that was going on and how, you know, the brothers, there was sibling rivalry here and, and he was like, hey, you know what, I understand you're passionate and you're zealous about what God shared with you, but you got to be careful with this. You know, I remember when I, when I first gave my life to the Lord, you know, November 20th of 2001, got arrested for drug trafficking, sitting down here in jail, Pastor Mike come in and seen me, uh, you know, and I was like, it's, it's done, you know, and, and I was excited, I was passionate. And I remember Melissa coming down and, and seeing me, we had been engaged for what, about two weeks you know, at that time, somewhere around there, and, and she comes, and we're sitting across the glass, and I said, hey, 
you know what, the train's wrecked. Like, like you know, the, good new, the bad news is I've got to walk this walk out. The good news is I gave my life to the Lord, and, and that's the path I'm heading down. Now, I'm looking at 15 years, day for day, in Florida. You know, Russ Janklow, our attorney, his dad was Governor Janklow at the time. He, he had tears in his eyes when he was telling me all this. You know you're in trouble when your attorney starts crying. I'll just tell you that. So I was like, hey, this may not end well, so, you know, I totally understand if, if you've got to bail. And she said, no, I, I'm, I, you know, when I said I do, it, it, it's for good here. And, and there's a teaching point in that. You know, this isn't about, you know, me being domineering or, or her being submissive to me, but when we were walking in the world, when every weekend it was about partying and, you know, how, much, how drunk I could get and, and how much ecstasy I could throw down my throat, guess who was following along behind that? She was. She was following me straight to hell. And guess what? When I turned directions and I started following God, guess who fit in and, and, and followed that? So men, be, be very cautious and, and it's just a word to the wise here on, on where you're leading your family because they're, they're watching and other people are watching as well. Amen? But then I started writing these letters. I wrote a letter to my mom. I wrote a letter to uh, my father-in-law, Steve, some other buddies. And I was like, I was like hey, you guys are going to hell. You need to, you need to, because I, I, man, I was set free. It was like, it was like black and white, and then all of a sudden the veil was removed, and it was like walking around in color. I had a new vision for my life, and I was passionate, and I was excited, and I wanted to share it with everybody, right? And so I started writing these letters, but it was like giving a, a five-year-old a loaded shotgun, and, and he just starts, you know, shooting around. There was no wisdom attached to what I, what I had my hands on here, and I couldn't figure out, you know, why are these people not like following me and stuff. Thankfully, Melissa did, but uh, nobody else shared my zeal. Verse 11, uh, now his brothers were really jealous, so hatred times four, but his father brooded over the whole business. That means his father gave it quite a bit of thought, and he wondered what it all meant. He filed it. He was like, okay, my, my youngest son's having these dreams, and, and these dreams are coming from the Lord, and, and I'm going to file this and, and see how it all turns out. What did, brother, what did Joseph's brothers think about him at this time? They hated him. That's exactly right. So the second point here is be careful who you share your dream with. Right? So when you get a dream or a vision, it, it's like I was, man. You're excited. You're excited about where you're going, and you want to share it with someone, but be careful. Unfortunately, you know, James and I were talking about this the other day. I said, you know what? Most people are not going to be happy for you in, in your future. It's just we're a negative society, uh, a negative world. You know, we live on, on this fake Facebook, social media you know, comparing our, our lowlights to everybody else's highlights. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate, but again, there's not a lot of people that will be genuinely excited for you. I'll tell you what, Pastor Mike is one of those people that is genuinely excited for your future. I mean, it, he just sees things in people. He sees where you're going. He saw that with me. He would come and visit me. You know, when I, when I was in jail and prison, I had an inmate on my back, and, and he just saw where I was going, and he was willing to believe in me and, and, and give me a chance, and he wanted me to win. And the reason, you know, you ask, why, why is it that way? Why is it that most people don't want you to win? Well, most people don't have a vision for their future. Sunday night, they're getting ready to go to bed, and they got a gut ache the size of a basketball. They're, they're like, Monday morning, I got to go to work. I hate my job, you know, hate my life. Monday turns into a, to Friday. A week turns into a month, turns into a year, and it's just like Groundhog's Day and they're tired of it, and they, they just simply need a fresh vision for their life, and when you get a vision for your life, 
It's kind of a wake-up call to them when you're moving out of that set of circumstances that they could do it too, but maybe they're not willing to change. You know, Greg talked about that this morning in first service prayer. You've got to be willing to change. If God gives you a vision for your life, you can't keep doing the same things and expecting a different result, right? That's the definition of insanity. We all know that. You know, there's a story of, of crabs in a bucket. You know how you keep crabs in a bucket? So you got a five-gallon bucket, you put a crab in there, he can crawl his way out, but if you put another crab in there, he'll keep the other one in. So as the crab's trying to climb his way out, the other crab will grab at him and he'll pull him down. And if there's three crabs in there, and one's really trying to get out, the other two will literally snip his arms off because they think they're trying to protect him. So beware of the crabs, right? When you share your vision with other people, a lot of times these people will try to keep you down. They haven't seen what you saw. That's all it is. They just haven't seen what you saw. And your vision is going to be tested. It just is. But you know when God drops a dream or a vision in your heart, and it's hard to explain it to others because it's so new. And Melissa and I just traveled down to Utah last week and looked at a company, and I came back and a buddy calls me. He's like, so, you know, what's it all about? And I'm like, dude, I can't explain to you in three or four minutes what I saw in two or three days of of being there in person. It's, it's impossible. I'll try to share it, but it's just not the same thing as being there, you know, yourself. Share another story. So I remember when I first got out of, out of prison, you know, we were, man, it was bad. You know, living in our in-laws basement, no money, broke. We, we had just moved into a, a rental house and um, I just stopped working for Greg. I got back into the fitness industry, and I remember standing, this was before the days of text messaging and Facebook and all this stuff, and I remember standing out in my garage with a flip phone, um, and I was like, all right, you know, I got to get back in the fit- fitness industry, and, and I know what I got to do here. So I pulled the phone out, and I set my voicemail, because this is basically my business here is this, this cell phone, and I said, hey, you know, hey, this is Randy Hartz, the Sioux Falls fitness expert. Now, I hadn't trained one person, I had made no money, I was broke, whatever, but see, I had a vision and I knew where I was going. And it was time to start speaking that vision. I'm telling you, I had buddies calling me, oh, Sioux Falls fitness expert, oh, dude, you know, jabbing me, you know, poking me, challenging me. But guess what? Not too far later, when I'd go out to businesses and do lunch and learns and all all those different things, guess how they introduced me? The Sioux Falls fitness expert, right? So you're going to get challenged with your vision, but again, be careful who it is that, that you, you share it with. Verse 12, his brothers had gone off to Shechem where they were pasturing their father's flocks. Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are with the flocks in Shechem. Come, I want to send you to them. So Joseph said, I'm ready. He said, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring me back a report. He's setting them up again. Go see what your brothers are up to and, and come back and, and, and tell me what you're doing. So he sent them off from the Valley of Hebron to Shechem. Now, here's a, here's a backstory on Shechem. Um, if you remember, or if you know the story, in Shechem, which is a town, there's a guy named Shechem that raped one of Jacob's daughters, Dina. Okay, And so the brothers, of course, wanted to protect Dina and, and get revenge, so they went to Shechem, and they, and they did a, a false covenant with the people, the, the Shechemites, we'll call them, with the people from Shechem, and they said, okay, if you guys circumcise yourself, then we'll, we'll come and covenant with you and, and we'll let you marry you know, our, our sisters and our daughters and, and, and vice versa and so forth. And so when the men, they're like, hey, yeah, that's awesome. So when they did that, uh, two of the brothers, um, who were they? Simeon and Levi. Simeon and Levi went and killed every one of the men. 
while they, while they were healing from, from the circumcision. So do you think that these people wanted these guys in their land? But that, that's where they were at, tending the flocks. And a man met him, met Joseph, while he was out wandering around through the fields. So first of all, sometimes when you've got a vision, it's going to feel like you're wandering around, right? This guy comes up to him and asks him, he says, what are you looking for? And Joseph said, I'm, I'm trying to find my brothers. Do you have any idea where they are grazing their flocks? And the man said, they've left here, but I've overheard them saying, let's go to Dothan. And Dothan, Shechem was a two-day journey. Dothan was a, a, another day past that. So Joseph took off. He tracked his brothers down. He found them in Dothan. They spotted him off in the distance. By the time he got to them, they had cooked up a plot to kill him. Because they hated him, right? The brothers were saying, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. And we can say that a vicious animal ate him up. So he's out wandering around, out, you know, from his father's house, and he comes walking up Dothan's hill country, so they're probably at the top of a hill, he's coming up the bottom of a hill, and they're looking at one another, and they, they're like, this is our chance, you know, to, to basically get, get rid of this dreamer. Um, and then we'll see what his dreams amount to. And they wanted to kill him because of his vision. Just like when pastors came here to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, 39 years ago, People borderline about wanting to kill him and, and just shut off that vision of having a supernatural church here in Sioux Falls. Just because you have a vision, that doesn't mean the enemy's just going to stand back and go, oh, okay, awesome. You're going to have meth addicts come in and they're going to get delivered. You're going to save people. You're going to get people healed and all that stuff. I'm just going to sit back and, and let it go by. It's just not going to happen that way. Third point, no one can stop your vision but you. You can stop your vision. They were another day's further journey in Dothan, like I said, the hilly country. But see, God had to get Joseph to this spot so he could move forward in the vision. You know, we know how the story ends here, but God is, is with him all along the way to get him to fulfill his vision. Verse 21, Reuben heard that the brothers were talking and, and he intervened to save him. We're not going to kill him, no murder. Go ahead and throw him into the cistern out here in the wild, but don't hurt him. Reuben planned to go back later and get him and take him out and actually take him back to his father. Next point, God will put people in your life to help you fulfill your vision. So Reuben, you know, you go, okay, why would Reuben help him out? Reuben was the oldest brother, and the oldest brother typically has favor. He's going to get the, the inheritance and all that. When, when Joseph actually is the one that's got the favor and, and may have gotten in the, the inheritance and so forth, he should have hated him the most. But he had an ulterior motive. He was like, man, if, if I go and get Joseph, pull him out of the well, and I bring him back to, to, to Jacob, to dad, I'm going to have favor with him because I saved you know, his favorite kid and, and he's going to you know, switch things around. And here's the deal with this. It's unlikely that Reuben would have stuck by him. And you're going to be surprised sometimes who sticks by you in your vision. And you've got to be able to work through this because people are not always going to see what you see. And you got to be fine with that. That's why you have to be so clear on where it is that you're going and the direction that you're heading. Because again, if it comes from God, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And it's always easy, you know, when you look back over your life to connect the dots, right? Those God dots of, of now you know why you were here, or why you lost that job, or, or why you met this person. Because again, God is just getting you through the path, you know, towards your vision and your, and your destination. Very easy to see that in the rearview mirror. It's very difficult to see that going forward. Amen? Verse 23, when Joseph reached his brothers, they ripped off the fancy coat he was wearing. That was his identity. And sometimes God's got to strip your identity off as well. 
what you identify with. Like, like me, you know, before I was a, a Christian, it was Randy the bodybuilder. You know, as a, my whole dream was to become a professional bodybuilder. My identity was 100% tied up in that. And it was, it was a God in my life. And God had to strip that away from me, strip that identity away from me so that I could, could figure out who I was and, and, and who I am in Christ. And, and anything I'm telling you, you put in front of God, he's going to remove it. I don't care how solid you think it is. You know, we just lost a business back in May, and it was an idol to us. You know, this, this position, this leadership title and all that stuff, I can see that now, but trust me, I couldn't see it back then. So they grabbed him, they threw him into the cistern. The cistern was dry, there wasn't any water in it, and the reason they did it that way was so Reuben could go back. If, it was, if, it was, if there was water in there, he would have drowned. But Reuben wanted to go back, if you remember, and, and get him out of there. Let's skip down to 28. By that time, the Midianite traders were passing by. His brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern, and they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Who else got sold for 20 pieces of silver? Jesus did. So this is a type and shadow of, of Jesus. He was sold to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph down with them to Egypt. Let's skip to verse 31. The brothers took Joseph's coat, they butchered a goat, and they dipped the, the coat in the blood. They took the fancy coat back to their father, and they said, we found this. Look it over, do you think uh, this is your son's coat? And he recognized it at once. So they're trying to obviously cover this up. Um, and he says, I'm gonna, Jacob says, I'm going to go to the grave mourning my son. Oh, how his father wept for him. In Egypt, the Midianites actually sold Joseph to Potiphar. Potiphar was the next step in Joseph's dream to fulfill the vision for jo you know, God's vision in Joseph's life. But one of the Pharaoh, Pharaoh's officials, the manager of his household, of, of, that's who Potiphar was. He was the manager of, of Pharaoh's household affairs. And again, all of this stuff had to happen for Joseph to fulfill the vision. So some things you know, that we're going through right now, we're just embracing the process, and that's very hard to do. You know, especially when you look back and you go, man, if I was at where I was at a year ago, things were pretty good back then. But it's just realizing that, hey, there's way better stuff for us in the future. Amen, and that's what we got to hold on to. Skip down to Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. It says, after Joseph had, taken, had been taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelites, Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials and the manager of his household, brought him from them, or bought him from them. Verse 2, it says, as it turned out, God was with Joseph. Say, God is with me. God is with you no matter what. And things went very well with him. He ended up living in the home of his Egyptian master. He ma his master recognized that God was with him. He saw the favor on, on Joseph's life. He saw that God was working for good in everything he did. He became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aide. He put him in charge of all his personal affairs, turning everything over to him. From that moment on, God blessed the home of the Egyptian, all because of Joseph. The blessing of God spread over everything he owned at home and in the fields, and all Potiphar had to, to concern him with, self with, was eating three meals a day. Joseph was doing everything, and Potiphar's sitting back and going, man, this is awesome. Now you got to realize that God has to develop some things in your life for you to fulfill your mission or your vision. So, so in Potiphar's house, Joseph was learning about planting, harvesting, and storing grain. He was going to need that in the future. His character qualities like submission, servanthood, loyalty, leadership, humility. He, he had to learn those things by, by serving Potiphar, right? And, and realize this, if you're going through the storm or, or things aren't the way that, that you want them to be right now, you're being developed, and just embrace that process. It's not about the end results. It's, it's about who you become along the way. So again, remember, God is, God is just developing you right now. And if you embrace that process, it'll make the journey a lot, a lot easier. 
Verse 6, Joseph was a strikingly handsome man. As time went on, his, his master's wife, let's call her Hotifer, so Potiphar's wife, Hotifer, became infatuated with Joseph and one day said, sleep with me. And he wouldn't do it. He said to his master's wife, look, with me, with me here, my master doesn't give a second thought to anything that goes on here. He's put me in charge of everything he owns. He treats me as equal. The only thing God hasn't, or the only thing he hasn't turned over to me is you. You're his wife after all. How could I violate his trust and sin against God? He was developing integrity and the fear of God in this situation. That's, that was a test, and he was developing that in the test. And you know in your own life, if you don't pass, pass the test, guess what happens? You get to go back, and you get to go through the test again, and again, and again. If, you, if you're not full of love, God's going to put unlovely people in your life until you learn how to love them, until you pass the test. Say, I'm going to pass the test. And she pestered him day after day after day, but he stood his ground. And you guys know the story, you know, eventually he's, he's in there with her, and, and she's trying to, you know, get with him, and he literally, she grabs onto him and literally rips his clothes off as he's running, and that's how we're to be with sin. We're to run away from sin, not just, you know, cuddle up to it and, and, and get cozy with it. But here's the point with that. Our faithfulness to God is going to be thoroughly tested. It's going to be tested. You remember when I, I spoke last time and, and, and what was the first thing when Jesus was baptized when he was 30 years old and he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit come down, you know, like a dove. Where did God lead him out into the wilderness to be tested, right? God, his father, led him out in the wilderness to be tested. Joseph was tested day after day to the point where Hotifer actively tried to seduce him and he was around 26 years old at this time. So let your imagination, 26-year-old young man, and having Hotifer trying to throw herself on him, that was not an easy task for Joseph to run away, but he passed the test. Amen? So you're going to be tested for your, your faithfulness to God, and like I said, if you fail the test, you get to go back around. Because God is more concerned with your character and developing that than anything else. And so he's going to bring that vision to pass, but again, he's going to develop your character along the way. Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Another version says they cast off restraint. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. So here's the deal. When you have a vision for your life, like Joseph had, he knew where he was going. He knew he was going to be a ruler and a leader and you know, do all these things one day. So he wasn't, he wasn't sidetracked when, when Hotifer tried to, get to, tried to get with him because he had a vision. He didn't cast off restraint. But if he had no vision, and he was just like, hey, this is just the best it's going to be. You know, I'm in Potiphar's house. Might as well enjoy myself while I'm here, you know, and, and, and sleep with Hotifer. Guess what would have happened then? He would have he aborted the mission, and, and, and who knows what would have happened with the vision. But there in, in jail, God was still with Joseph. He reached out in kindness to him. He's in jail. But God reached out in kindness to him. He put him on good terms with the head jailer. The head jailer put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners, and he ended up managing the whole operation. He had free reign. Seventh point. Obedience to God isn't, doesn't always produce the expected results. You think, you think Joseph thought he was going to end up back, you know, and he was in a pit, and then he was like way up in charge here, and now he's, he's, he's in prison. He's back in a pit. It seemed like he was going backwards. And sometimes in your own life, when you have a vision, it's going to seem like you're going backwards. Like everything you do, 
You know, you feel like you should be taking steps forward, but, but things are mo moving backward. And again, just remember, God's developing you through the, this process. And Joseph had no way of knowing that, that this prison was going to be the passage to his promotion. And one thing I know for sure, and this is in my own life, that God uses unconventional methods to get you to where he needs you to be. But our job is simply to trust him. And realize this, if, if God removes something from your life, just trust him. Know that he's got something better for you. I mean, I remember, I remember sitting in prison and having regret, and I'm like, man, I was a drug dealer. I was making all this money. Now i got to go like, get a real job, and I'm going to be like, poor or broke the rest of my life. And, and you know, God prospered us and, and to a point. And it's not all about money, but you know, it, was like, it was crazy how you know, he did that for us in our lives, and, and our latter days were better than our former days. And I'm telling you, our latter days are going to be better than, than they were here even the, in the last few years. It's just we've got to walk through this process. Now, Joseph was in prison with the cupbearer and the baker. We're, we switch all the way down to Genesis chapter 40, verse 8. And, and the, the two of them said, we dream dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said, don't interpretations come from God? Tell me the dreams. Here's a point here now. So recognize the cupbearer and the baker came to Joseph with a dream. Now guess who, who, who does God give credit to where dreams come from? Or who does Joseph give credit to where dreams come from? God, right? When he got the dream when he was 17, there was nothing about God. It was just like, hey, I had this dream, and, and you know, you guys are going to bow down. He thought the dream was going to happen immediately, just like we do so many times in our own life. We think what God speaks to us is going to happen immediately. But, see, but here, he has matured in his relationship with God, which is an awesome thing. The story goes on that, that Joseph interprets the baker and the cupbearer's dream. The baker ends up losing his head. The cupbearer uh, was restored to his position. And the cupbearer was supposed to remind Pharaoh about Joseph, but he forgot about him. And he ended up spending two more years in prison. Now, don't you think when Joseph's sitting in prison for two more years after he helped this guy get out of prison, don't you think his attitude could have got a little bit, you know, sour? And he could have just started grumbling towards God and, and said, you know, God, I've done everything for you. Like, like what's the deal? Like, like you know, how is this ever going to work? How does a slave locked up in prison ever become a great leader? But he didn't do that. Instead, he said, is anything too hard for God? If God promised it, he's certainly going to do it. And at times, God is going to make things hard in your life just so he can get a, a testimony out of, out of it. I know we don't like to, to hear that nowadays, but the key here is don't quit. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3 but says, says, but these things I plan, they're not going to happen right away like they didn't, didn't for Joseph. Slowly, steadily, surely. The time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. But you got to watch your heart, your attitude, and you got to watch your words big time. You know, and put yourself in an environment like this of, of people that are going to help you move forward. So again, two years later, Pharaoh had that dream. Nobody could interpret then the baker rem finally remembers uh, Joseph interpreting his dream. For Genesis 41, verse 14, we're wrapping up here. It said, Pharaoh at once, he sent for Joseph. They brought him on the run. They brought him on the run from the jail cell. How cool is that? You know, he's in, in prison, and they literally brought him on the run to the most powerful man in the land. He cut his hair, put on clean clothes, and came to Pharaoh. He went from prison to the palace. And, and Pharaoh says, I dreamed a dream. 
Nobody can interpret it, but I've heard that just by hearing a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph answered, he gave glory to God. Not I, but God. God will set Pharaoh's mind at ease. Chapter 41, verse 38 says, Then Pharaoh said to his officials, Isn't this the man that we need? Are we going to find anyone else who has God's spirit in him like this? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, You're the man for us. God has given you the inside story. Nobody is as qualified uh, as you in experience and wisdom. From now on, you're in charge of my affairs. All my people report to you. Only as king I will, will I be over you. So Pharaoh, com- Pharaoh commissioned Joseph, I'm putting you in charge of the entire country of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his finger, slipped it on Joseph's hand. He out- outfitted him in robes of the best linen and put a gold chain around his, his neck. He put the second-in-command chariot at his disposal. And as he rode, people shouted, Bravo! Joseph was in charge of the entire country of Egypt. Pharaoh told Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but no one in Egypt will make a single move without your stamp of approval. Joseph's about 30 years old right there. He got the dream at 17, but he didn't step into the dream until he was around 30. Who else stepped into their their calling at age 30? Jesus. Final points here. Perseverance over time will bring the vision to fulfillment. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, Consider it a sheer gift. This is insane. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. Basically, that means when you get squeezed, either faith or doubt is going to come out. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature. There we go. Mature and well-developed. God is trying to develop your character, not deficient in any way. So remember, perseverance over time will bring the vision to fulfillment. You guys know the rest of the story. You know, there, God, the dream interpreted was seven years of, of abundance, followed by seven years of, of famine. And so God gave Joseph a strategy, saved 20% of, of all, the good, all the income and everything over the seven years of famine, or, or good years, so that in the seven years of famine, You're going to be able to rule everything. You're going to be able to rule the people. You're going to own all the land. You're going to own all the livestock, own absolutely everything. God gave that vision and that strategy to Joseph. And he was second in charge of of all of Egypt. Final point, God will always, always, always fulfill his promise and much more. God always gives us much more than we promised. Genesis chapter 41, verse 51. He says, God has made me forget all my hardship, all the prison, all the pit, all the everything my family did to me. God has made me forget all my hardship and all of my father's house. He, he actually forgot Jacob and, and, and his father and, and, and all of his father's house. And he was actually to a point where he was content because he had a vision. He just thought, man, God must just have me leading over here rather than leading my, my, my family's household like he originally had. And he was content to live without his family, but God had something else in mind. On top of being lorded over all of Egypt, having a lot of wealth and power, and being blessed with his own children, Joseph was reunited with his family. When God is fulfilling that promise he gave you, be sure, there will be, be sure that there's going to be additions because he gives abundantly. So remember that. God is not removing things and, and putting you in situations to take from you. He's putting you in these situations to develop you, to develop your character, develop your skill sets, to develop your talents so that you can continue to move forward and you can fulfill the vision that he has given to you. And I I figured out that Joseph was probably around 39 years old when he was reunited with his family 
and this vision was fulfilled. So at 17, he got the vision, and he thought it was going to happen immediately. It didn't come to fruition until 22 years later. And it's been said that if, if you're willing to wait forever, it won't take that long. And it's all about being steadfast and, and immovable and unshakable and keeping your attitude right along the way. I just ask you, you know, what, what dream or what vision has God put in your heart? You know, I, I know how it goes. I know when, when adversity comes along and, and, you know, you get knocked off, off the horse and, and you're wondering, man, what, what happened? Like, like, everything I do seems to be not taking a step forward, but a step in the wrong direction. And again, it just realize it's just God developing your character. And here's, here's a cool thing. You know, when the devil's fired his best shot at your life, that you can still stand. And that's what the Bible says, I'm still standing. You stand there for, you know, having faith, faith that things are going to get better, having hope that, that there's going to be an expectation that you're going to move forward and that your life's going to change. We're going to give you an opportunity. That, that's the message about vision, I'm telling you. Spend time with God. You, you need to have a vision for yourself, for your family, for your career, and don't make this more than what it is. Just sit down, pray, and ask God what he would have for you, and then find some scripture that attaches to that. You know, just like I, I read that scripture, Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 19, I am standing on that word. Because when things in the natural, when I, that I can see with my natural sight, when they don't look, you know, they, like they're lining up and, and moving us forward, I can stand on that word. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 10 o'clock. We also have our midweek service every week on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.